This is Look in My Life. Welcome back. We are in our second season. This is the story time season. I want to start by giving backstory. Because anytime I tell a story, I have to give you a backstory. I have to give you the whole enchilada so you can get where I'm going to go, get where I'm going, and get where I have been. (laughs) So, I live in Michigan, and for a very long time, I have no idea how this state law got approved. There was a thing called driver responsibility fees. And what that means is, if you get pulled over and you can get a ticket, you have to pay your ticket, and then Michigan would bill you anywhere from $500 to $2,000, depending on the severity of the ticket, and you'd have to pay for two years straight. So say you get a ticket in April, you pay the ticket, and also in whatever year that is, you pay a driver responsibility fee for it. And then the next year, you have to pay it again. I can tell you how many thousands of dollars I've spent on driver responsibility fees, and it was for really simple tickets like not coming to a complete stop where the ticket was 150 but I ended up spending over $2,000. So that's what, what's going on in Michigan at the time. So I had this job and it was pretty far out and, you know, driving. I was working 12-hour shifts Nine times out of ten, eventually, you're going to get a ticket, you know. I was going, like, 30 minutes out of the town where I live at via the freeway. And the area that I was working in was highly populated with police that would pull you over for anything. So, I had accrued a couple of tickets, found out about this driver responsibility fee thing, And I honestly can't even tell you how many thousands of dollars I've spent on that. And the last ticket I got was in Taylor, Michigan. And I paid the ticket. But right then, like, I was... I had just moved into my first apartment... You know, I'm driving every day on the freeway, 30 to 40 minutes. So, you know, I had bills. I had just bought a car. You know, there's rent. But, you know, you first, you get your first apartment, you have to furnish it off. So all of that. And I was kind of just like, I'm tired of it. I'm not spending any more money on driver responsibility fees. So I paid the ticket and I was just like, forget it. I'm not paying them. There's no way I'm giving them another $2,000. And I'm fully willing to (laughs) admit 
that that was a very stupid thing to do because what I did not share with you is if you don't pay your driver's responsibility fee, you will get your license suspended. So that is what ended up happening to me for not paying my driver's responsibility fee, the last one. Like I said before, I just want to reiterate again, I've spent thousands on driver responsibility fees. And just like the last time, I was just like, I'm not doing this. I work hard for my money, you know, 12-hour shifts. There are times where I didn't get any sleep at all. I've actually worked a double before a couple of times. So basically, I was at work for 24 hours. And I just did not feel that I should pay it. I had spent so many thousands of dollars. So, as I said, my driver's license got suspended. But as we went through in season one of this podcast, I was pretty much the sole driver of my grandmother, Mia. And so after my license got suspended, I did actually end up getting a permanent layoff from my job and you know money wasn't rolling in like it was before and my license got suspended so I was pretty much stuck I'm still driving my grandmother around and taking care of her needs and my needs as well and I ended up getting a ticket in St. Clair Shores, which is like a very exclusive neighborhood, but my grandmother, and you know, now that I think about it, now that she's gone, you know, we did have a time. We had some good times, but she used to love to go far, far out, serious suburbs, and, you know, being black (laughs) and driving without a valid license in some serious, serious suburbs. It's really not a good idea. I literally got pulled over in the same spot twice in St. Clair Shores within like a couple of months of each other. So the first time I got a ticket And, you know, around this time, I'm getting unemployment from my job. I hadn't yet discovered that it was a permanent layoff. So I'm pretty much living off my unemployment, looking for a job, taking care of me, taking care of business, paying rent, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the first time it was just a ticket. And, you know, we did go to court, which is so funny because I drove myself to court for a ticket for driving on a suspended license. (laughs) I can't make this ish up. I really cannot. And so, you know, we started out a payment plan and I did, you know, I paid off all my tickets. I paid off the tickets that I had anywhere else, which um, I had accrued another ticket in Taylor and I had one in Detroit and I had a couple 
in the town that we live in. So, I spent, you know, months going back and forth to court. You know, um, the judge, quote unquote, offered me uh, $50 a day if I went to jail to pay off the tickets. And, you know, I've never been to jail before. I don't know about that life. (laughs) I'm not about that life. You know, from what I've seen in movies. And I think in my head, like, I kind of intertwine jail and prison. And, you know, I'm like, last woman prison movie I saw, that ish was, oh, no. I was terrified. Terrified. I'm like, oh, no. No to the judge every time he offered me to, you know, go to jail to pay out the tickets. I'm like, you know, I'll get it done. I'll get it done. Long story short, I get the second ticket, and he's like, the judge is pissed. It's the same judge. It has been, like, almost a year now going back and forth to court, telling him to give me more time, et cetera, et cetera. And the second time I went in, it was the same judge. He was pissed, like, what do you think you're doing? Why are you still driving? Let alone in the same town where you got a ticket at. And it was just a mess, a mess. And, you know, I'm begging him, like, give me more time. I'm still working in unemployment. And, you know, eventually my unemployment ran out. So I stopped going to court because the only reason why he was not arresting me was because I was slowly but surely paying all the tickets off, paying off the driver responsibility fees and all of that. And now my only source of income is gone. So I stopped going to court and eventually it turned into a warrant. So, you know, it's a vicious cycle and it it really sucks. You know, I can't pay off the tickets because I don't have a job and I can't get a job because I have a warrant and I have a warrant because I can't pay off the tickets. Literally like a vicious circle. And I had tried at this time, you know, me and Mamiya, we had talked about it and agreed that, you know, I need to work. I'm still going to help her and do everything I can. I went on so many job interviews. I was on Monster. I was on Snag a Job. Every time I saw a now hiring sign, you know, I ran, put in an application or went online on my phone to apply and got a couple interviews and had some really good interviews, actually. And, you know where they would say, you know, we're going to do the background check and by then we'll call you with this. Basically, I was hired from the interview. I can say that for sure for at least four jobs, but they never did call me back. And it was because I had a warrant. And I know this for a fact because I called them, you know, I was desperate for a job. I really wanted a job. And I'm like, you know, how come you didn't call me? We had a great interview thought I could start by now and they're like well you have a warrant um even my old job that I was working opened back up um during this time and I reapplied to them 
And like he literally brought out the paper from the background check that they did. It shows a picture of me and like, yeah, you got a warrant. And, you know, the owner of the company, he was like, I remember you. When you get this taken care of, come back. You got a job. So I could not get a job. I'm pretty much the sole person taking care of my grandmother. I personally, myself, am terrified of going to jail at this time. So, you know, I was just stuck. And I couldn't say no to my grandmother. She asked me to go somewhere. But during this time, and this lasted for years... It was really, really difficult. You know, I felt like a felon, a bank robber, a murderer or something, you know. It was constant watching, you know, over my back. Like, every time I saw a cop, I froze because I did know that I had an active warrant and I was going to jail. You know, so I drove really carefully. I always drove like two to three miles under the speed limit. Always used my blinkers. Always, you know, followed the rules. Never went against the rules. Just very, very careful, conscientious driver. And that lasted for years. You know, I was scared every time I got in the car. But at the same time, I... It was never a threat to anybody. I drove, you know, so carefully. And I did have a ticket in Hamtramck. And, you know, I was scared. I didn't know what happened was um, there was a school bus and I had left out of where my grandmother and I were living to go to the store for her. And it was around 3 p.m. So, you know, school buses are everywhere and there is a bus stop. And then there was a cop that pulled up behind me. So I'm super paranoid. And, you know, the street, it gets narrow and then it merges out. So what I thought was, you know, he got like really, really close behind me. I thought he was trying to get past me. So I would scoot up. And every time I scoot up, he would scoot up behind me. What I didn't know is basically he was leading me because I didn't even know that this had became a law that you can't be within 25 feet of a school bus. You know, so every time I inched up, the cop inched up, you know, I know I have these warrants and I'm scared. And, you know, he was basically just egging me on and basically led me to get within that 25, 40, however many feet it is of the school bus. Because every time I inched up, he was right there. And I inched up some more and he was right there. And he did it until I got within a certain amount of feet that I'm not supposed to be in. And then he turned on his lights, da 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 And I had a ticket. Luckily... I didn't end up getting arrested or anything like that. I guess the warrant didn't show up that I had in St. Clair Shores. But I did get a ticket. I wasn't going to court. I was scared. I knew I didn't have any money to pay them, so I just didn't go. And then that became a warrant, which made it even worse 
than what it already was because like now I have a warrant in the town that I live in you know yeah you know St. Clair Shores is pretty far from where we were and you know for something as simple for lack of a better word as a a driver on a suspended they weren't going to travel to come and get me for that but now that I've done it in my own backyard, now that I have this ticket and this warrant, it just made it even more worse, you know. I was scared to go to the store, but I did it. My grandmother wanted me to take her somewhere, I did it. And if we're going to be perfectly honest, with a warrant being pulled over twice in the same spot in less than six months, I still was taking her to St. Clair Shores. And I don't know if she forgot, because this is around the time where she started getting you know, sick. I don't know if she forgot or, you know, she was just saying, Vios con Dios, you know, go with God or something. I don't know. But we still went. I still drove. I was nervous every day. I was putting my ass on the line every time I got in that car. Because if I got pulled over by a police officer, I was going to go to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Straight to jail. So, you know, after years being so paranoid and scared and this and that, the most craziest thing happened. Around this time, I was in a trade school and I had just gotten my refund check and there was a whole big issue with that because they were really taking their time and me and all my classmates were like really upset so you've been in school usually you get your refund check within like a month or two and it happened like four months and like people were pissed people were talking about dropping out but that's another story for another day so I finally got the check and um you know like I said I I've always spent a lot of my daytime awake time at Mamiya's house, so I had left her house at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night that day, and I finally went home. And I checked my mailbox around 12:30, 1 o'clock, and I saw that I had finally gotten my refund check from school. And you know, I was so excited. I don't know why I didn't call her or just wait till the next day. But I was so, you know, this is this is my home. You know, I wasn't afraid or anything. So it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I knew she was awake. I walked down to her house. Cause as I said in the first season, we stayed nine doors down from each other. I walked down to her house and she wrote a check. And I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. And, you know, finally I got this check. And we were talking about where we were going to go shopping the next day. And around this time, my health had also went on a major decline and you know we talked we made plans and then I was ready to go home you know excited I was so excited for like the first 30 40 minutes you know I shared it with her and we made our plan and I'm heading home and this is like 1 30 in the morning there's nobody outside. It's a nice summer night. It's warm. I'm wearing black leggings and a black tube top. I have a hoodie over that. 
that is like dark blue and all I have are my keys in my hand I didn't even bring my cell phone with me and I'm walking across the street I'm literally like five doors away from my house and this cop pulls up through the street and as he's driving towards me he's going hey come here and I look and I'm like what the fuck and he's like hey come here white guy cop and I'm just thinking to myself you know I watch Dateline I watch 2020 I watch 48 hour mystery I watch all of that shit I've heard about like cops late at night no witnesses are around like raping chicks doing hate crimes you know I'm a dark-skinned black female I don't know what you're saying a come here for so I kept on walking and he's like what's your name and I'm like you know I'm talking as I'm walking I'm getting closer and closer to my door and he's like stop and I turn around like what do you want from me what is this about next thing you know three more cop cars start coming and I guess this little pussy boy when he saw his backup coming he became extremely aggressive towards me and instead of going hey come here like some kind of creep in a back alley then he started saying get your fucking ass over here Get your fucking ass over here now. And he got out the car and he's all puffed up and shit. And I'm just like, why are you talking to me like that? I obviously don't have anything on me. I'm wearing skin tight, you know, a skin tight outfit with a hoodie. And and I'm like, I'm a chick. Why are you talking to me? Why are you being so aggressive? So I get mad. You know, I think about police brutality. I think about the tons of black people that have gotten hurt and killed by the police for some bullshit you know I very well could be Sandra Bland so in my mind I'm just like fuck it if they're gonna kill me or something I might as well get a couple jabs in you know as far as you want to cuss at me I'll cuss back at you so I was saying fuck you like who raised you why are you talking to me like that So, once all his little cop buddies get out, and one of them grabs me by my arm, and I'm standing there, and he's like, what is your name? I would have been cool with you, but no, you had to get smart. Don't fucking chastise me. Who the fuck are you? You know, to be a cop, you have to have, what, a high school diploma? You think you're better than me? I don't have to answer to you. You're not my dad. I am a U.S. citizen of legal age walking down the street. I've done nothing wrong. And I hate that cops believe that you owe them some type of respect. Being a firefighter is like, what, five, six more times more dangerous than being a police officer? And they don't demand you to respect them. You know, doctors save lives. They don't demand you to respect them and act like some type of child while they get off on some type of superiority complex. But anyway. He runs my name. 
And of course, I have a warrant, not only in my town, which he is a cop of, but also in St. Clair Shores. So they, they arrest me. And, you know, I'm pissed. And lucky me, I get to drive the guy that was cussing at me. And so, you know, we're going back and forth cussing. And at this point, I'll kind of admit I was being somewhat belligerent, but I was just fucking pissed. And so they sit me on the bench and, you know, I'm handcuffed really tight. And like I said, I had started discovering more and more health problems, severe high blood pressure, anemia, yada, yada, prada. And I'm telling him, like, I feel my hands swelling. This is way too tight these cuffs so they lighten up the cuffs and then and then you know around this time I was developing a cold and I'm coughing up phlegm and I'm like I need someone to get me a garbage can or something because I have to spit I'm not about to keep on swallowing phlegm because you get you stay sick from that and that's gross you know, and then one of the cops said, I don't know where you think you're at, but this is jail. We're not going to keep on doing things to accommodate you. And belligerently, but not in any way is what they lied about. I'm like, all right, fuck it. And so I had coughed and phlegm came up and I bent over like a lady and spit on the floor. So I ended up spending a night in this town jail. And let me tell you, it was disgusting. Um, I guess it was built out of concrete, but it was covered in what used to be white towel. There's blood stains, there's piss stains. The whole thing smells like shit. It was summertime, so they had the air conditioning cranked up and I was freezing. As I said, I've been anemic for a very long time. Like, I feel body parts going numb from being so cold. I had on thin pants and a thin spaghetti strap shirt underneath the hoodie. And if it hadn't have been for that hoodie, like, I probably would have gotten hypothermia because I was so cold. And, you know, I the next morning, I go before... The judge and and I am shocked because this chick is like, you got a ticket for this long and you didn't take care of it. I'm thinking I'm going to get bail. Like I said before, I had a check, so it wasn't a worry to me or anything. And she's like, no, no, you're getting no bail. You're going to jail. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh my God, are you kidding me? I'm going to jail? And she's like, you're going to jail? And my guy immediately break down crying. And I was just 
in shock out of everything I never thought that I would be going to jail so they take me back to the room that I was in and I get transported to the county jail and I was devastated I was completely devastated. And there were a lot of crazy people in there. There was actually a really high profile case where a kid got killed. And one of the chicks that participated in that crazy shit, evil shit, she was there. And, like, these were hardened criminals. Like, this chick was talking and she kept on saying, my victim, my victim. I'm like, who talks like that? I mean, she was saying, like, yeah, and this and this, and I did that to my victim, like... I was like, wow, you're proud of that or something? I'm thinking in my head. And there were fights and there was stealing, but I did actually meet some pretty nice people. Even though their walk of life was completely different from mine, um, I really did meet some nice people and had some pretty deep conversations about life and etc but you know as I said I was pretty much the sole companion the driver you know the private shopper of Mamiya and I was really, really worried about her knowing that she was without me and what that meant because definitely by this time, and this happened years before Mamiya died but even during this time you know we were on our own, we really were And I was really scared for her. And I felt bad that, you know, if only I had waited. To tell her about the check and just waited a couple of hours. To the next day. I wouldn't be sitting in jail. And she wouldn't be sitting at home alone and I have to really thank my child's father because you know we were I don't even know what you call what we were it was more than friends but we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend but and my grandmother Mia did confirm this that you know he called her that he would drive her places and my uncle was 
my uncle Shaka was um, helping her somewhat. And I spent 25 miserable, miserable days in the county jail. And it was so cold. It was freezing. And I had gotten to it with one of the nurses at the jail. And her way of getting back at me was to report me as being suicidal. So I did spend a night or two, I believe it was two nights, in like the psych ward where they make you strip buck naked and they give you this little, I mean, it's thinner than tissue. A little tissue apron thing. And as I said, I was anemic and it was already cold. And, you know, that night, and they give you one roll of tissue. And I was so cold that I literally used my roll of tissue to wrap around my feet, my legs, and my arms because I was so cold. And the biggest thing that I learned from jail is that they really do. I can't imagine what prison is like because it was jail. Jail itself was miserable. You know, I would ask the guard. I had had a, a period and all that stuff, and when you talk to them, they literally treat you like you're not a full human being. You know, it is definitely, I've heard people say that about prison, but it's like a mindset of modern slavery. They treat you like you are not human. And this was just jail. So I can't imagine, I cannot imagine what prison is like. You know, anything I asked for, I asked for an extra roll of tissue. It was no. Can I get a phone call? It was no. And you know, they... The guards had their noses up in the air, those uppity bitches, and it was horrible. I mean, I have always had a hard life as far as interacting with people where, you know, nobody got me really, and, you know, being bullied as a kid, and even, you know, bullshit from my family, because like I said in, you know, the first season, you know, I didn't have my son until I was 33. And, you know, that was a long-running joke. Oh, Elise can't have babies. And they were went out of their way to insult me. So I've had experiences with cruel people. But this was just top tier. It was on a whole nother level. It was degrading. It was dehumanizing. And... I remember from one of the crime shows that I watched, the psychiatrist said that prison can turn monsters into humans and humans into monsters. And the latter part of that, turning humans into monsters, like I really understood because it made me really angry. 
And it was kind of just like, you want to treat me like this? If I was to act on it, you'd be really pissed off. Because some of those guards, like, I literally wanted to beat this bitch's ass. She was just, in a, like, on the outside world, you're nobody. Literally. But you think because you're a, a jail guard that, you know... I mean, she came in. I don't know who these bitches think they are. And da 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 da. Like, you're not that bitch, honey. You're not. So, it was a rough, rough 25 days. And. After the 25 days was up in the county jail, which is not in the town where I live at, as I said earlier, I got transported there. And so after 25 days, I get transported back and I stand before the same judge that sent me to jail for 25 days in Wayne County with these crazy bitches for driving on a suspended license and the thing that I always comes in my mind I got arrested for driving on a suspended license a warrant and all I was doing was walking <laughs> to my house which is crazy to me and so you know I'm still scared I don't know and I definitely want to talk about this so when I stand before this judge, you know, she's still mad as hell. And she reads off what's going on, you know, with charges and shit. And, you know, the only thing that I've done was drive on a suspended. That's what I got arrested for. That's what my warrant was for. And she's talking about that, like, I assaulted an officer. And I'm just like, me? WTF, what are you talking about? Now, remember earlier I said that I was starting to get a cold. And I asked them the first night that they arrested me, my first night in jail, for a garbage can to spit in. And that they didn't give it to me, so I bent over and I spit on the floor. That bitch cop told the judge that I spit at her. So I have that on my record that I quote-unquote assaulted an officer or some bullshit, whatever they wanted to call it. And it's just crazy. And, you know, she asked me, do you agree or disagree to that charge? And I told her that that didn't happen with a court-appointed lawyer. And that's the thing, you know, you really need to save up money to have your own lawyer. Because it's kind of just like common sense when you think about it. A court-appointed lawyer works for the court. They're not working for you or with you as a defendant. They're working with them. And, you know, I told her, I'm like, that didn't happen. You know, and she's just like, well, my advice to you would just be to accept the charge because for you to fight it, we would have to go to your doctor and get proof that you had a cold. I'm like, isn't there a camera when they bring you out where you could see that I bent over and spit? Like, unless that bitch 
who said that I spit at her is like two feet tall. There's no way. I bent over and spit on the floor. And she's like, well, that's my advice. And that's what I'm telling you. Just admit to it. Um, Accept the charge. So I accepted it. Like, I wanted to get out of jail. I did not want to go back. And... Um, luckily I didn't have to serve any time, but that is on my permanent record. And that's just crazy that a cop would lie on me like that about something like that. It's just crazy. A blatant, blatant lie. And so once judge tells me like I can go home, I'm so excited the guards they take me back to the holding cell and I believe it was the exact holding cell that I was in like 25 26 days ago when they first arrested me and I spent that horrible night in there and you know I'm like just waiting like oh my god she said I could go home why are they not letting me go and this was at like eight or nine o'clock in the morning And I'm just like, I'm looking at the clock and I'm just like, what the fuck? Why is this taking so long? You know, she said I could leave. And so after many, many hours, a cop finally leads me into like their office thing or whatever. And he said, we've been holding you because we were in contact with St. Clair Shores. So basically the reason why they weren't letting me go, they were holding me to see if St. Clair Shores wanted to come and pick me up and arrest me for the warrant that I had there. And to me, honestly, then and even right now, I think that's fucked up. I served my time dealing with you guys. If St. Clair Shores wants to get at me, they should get at me on a whole different thing. You know, this is not like I killed somebody or I'm wanted across state lines. You know, it's just a driving on suspended. It's not that deep. And he told it to me like I should be disappointed or something. He was like, yeah, we called St. Clair Shores and St. Clair Shores doesn't want you. And I'm looking at him like, what do you expect me to do? Cry or something? Shit, my heart will go on. Let me the fuck go. Goodbye. And he said it like three or four times. St. Clair Shores doesn't want you. Like, am I supposed to be hurt about that? That they don't want to arrest me? Boo fucking who? Can Where is the door? And so they finally let me go. <clears throat> and this is on the complete other side of town of where we live at. But as I said, I didn't have a cell phone. So I couldn't call um, my future child's father or anything to come and pick me up but as soon as I got out those doors I ran (laughs) and I don't run I am not athletic at all but I ran I'm talking about at least a good four or five city blocks I ran away from that jail ran from that police office 
And, you know, by the time I stop, I'm out of breath. I can barely breathe. So here I am. I have a paper check, which was on me. And they gave that back to me once I got released. A paper check. So I have no money, no cell phone. And, you know, I'm like, damn, it's pretty far away to walk to get to Mamiya's house. And... Luckily, I um, ran into a lady. I didn't know her. I just straight up asked her. I'm like, please, ma'am, can I use your cell phone? I just need to call my grandma. I've been locked up for 25 days. And she's looking at me like, what type of time you on? And I was like, it's not that deep. It was for, you know, driving. So she lets me use her phone. And, you know, me and Mia, we talk and we're like, you can hear the tears in both of our voices. And she's like, I'll call a cab for you and I tell her the street where I'm at. And the cab, and she'll pay for it. And the cab um, comes and picks me up. And I make it to Mia's house and... I'm just as giddy as giddy can be. You know, when she opened that door and we just hugged each other and cried. That is the longest time I had ever been away from Mia. You know, she cried and told me that she had called my cousin Mary, who is her granddaughter, of course, and I spoke about in season one. You know, Mia took care of Mary, saved her life, and, you know, Mia was crying, telling me how every day that I was in jail, that she called Mary to come and help her while I was gone, and Mary would always say, I'll be there tomorrow, but in 25 days. She never came. And I looked at Mamiya and saw how hurt and broken she was being without me. And Mary doing that fucked up shit to her. And Mary, if you're listening, what you did was fucked up. Period. And... You know, I think about that time now, and I can't believe that I made it this long without Mamiya since her death. And she died December 8th, 2019, and here we are in 2021. And I was devastated being without her for 25 days.
I can't believe that this much time since her death has went past. But I don't want to get on, you know, anything like seriously deep. So this is Book in My Life, Season 2, Episode 1. I got arrested. Thank you for listening. Thank you for seeing what I see. Thank you for looking in my life. I've got so many more stories to tell you.